0: Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to start reading in verse 12. Can I ask you this question? Have you ever wondered whether you could die for Jesus Christ? Well... I think we've all asked ourselves that question. And we might be tempted to ask it in the context of, do I have what it takes if I were to be asked to lay down my life for the Lord Jesus Christ? We follow 2,000 years of people. We follow on one side of a planet where on the other side, men and women who confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior lose their jobs, their homes, and their lives. You might not know it, but more people are dying now for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ than have in all of church history. How challenging is that? I've shared the story before, so bear with me, but I remember being in college and being at, required to read Fox's Book of Martyrs where those who followed Jesus had been sawn in half, flayed alive, they were crucified and boiled in oil and all kinds of stories from church history, and I came to a real crisis thinking, I don't know if I could could do that. So we're gonna look at that issue today. Can we do that if we were called to that? We live in a peaceful country, we live in a peaceful, Um, time when we can come together and worship the Lord. But what if we were called? We don't know the times and the seasons that we'll face, and I think it's worthy of us taking a look at it today. And I want us to read in 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse 12. Here's what it says. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing, as though something strange were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ... Keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of his glory, you may also rejoice and be overjoyed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer, thief, or evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous man is saved... What will we'll become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God are to entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord today, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would anoint us. Anoint it, Lord God, in its delivery. Anoint it in its reception. Holy Spirit, you are always welcome here and to our hearts Let the word accomplish the purpose for which it's been sent, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One thing that we know about suffering in this world, it happens. Or maybe you've seen the bumper sticker that says almost the same thing. (laughs) Suffering does happen in this world, and it's just a reality. I think sometimes we're tempted to believe that if we... Gave our lives to the Lord that everything would be easier. And I want us to understand today that the Bible actually teaches that it can be more challenging. But it's such an honor and privilege to share in the glory of God. For you, God's got a glory. And I love this passage, how it begins. It it just uses this. It's so profound in its simplicity. He just addresses you this way. Beloved. Beloved. Beloved not necessarily by Peter or by the church, but beloved by God. The power of being able to say something like that. The power to be able to say it when you're going through a really difficult time because sometimes it's hard to believe that I'm beloved when things don't feel like they're going in a positive direction. But one thing that God would challenge us today is to know that we have to always live in the realm of understanding we are the beloved of God. I want you for just, humor me for a minute. I want you to say this today, I am loved. Say that with me, I am loved. Let's say it again, I am loved. One more time, I am loved. Because when I go through a really difficult suffering season, my temptation is thinking that something has been interrupted between God's love for me. And I have this ability to not ever Blame him for it, and yet at the same time, sometimes I have the ability to blame myself when suffering comes. Because the idea can come to me is this, you know, is this the result of my past coming now to make me pay for it? Is this the circle of life? Is this the problems that I've had my chickens come home to roost? Have I done anything to disqualify myself? from being able to receive freely from God. And Peter just wants to start out with that, beloved. I wanna start out that with all of you, beloved. When we came today, we celebrated communion. What were we saying? I'm beloved. I'm in a covenant. I'm in a marriage with Jesus Christ. I am beloved by God. Did you know that every time you pray in the name of Jesus, what you are doing is ending your prayer with this, I'm loved. To acknowledge Jesus is to say, I'm loved. Every time we pray, it is to be rooted and grounded in love. The Bible says that you and I, the prayer for us is that we would understand with all the saints the length, the depth, the breadth, the height, and the surpassing greatness of the love of God for us. Oh God, help me. I'm your loved one. Lord, why is it everything that's just breaking loose and it feels like hell is coming against me? Well, Lord, I tell you that just in the confidence of knowing that I'm loved. That's God wants to bring us in all of this. But whenever I get into a hard time, I'm tempted to think that the path of the righteous should be easy. And listen, I'm not righteous in my own righteousness. I'm righteousness because Christ has forgiven me and he saved me. But I would think that if I gave my life to the Lord, that my life would be a whole lot easier. And the problem is this, is that sometimes when you come to church, there's a few saints that are in any gathering who will more, be more than willing to tell you or ask you rhetorical questions such, well, where's your faith at anyway in the middle of all of this? well what have you done and listen i've had it happen to me what have you done that this stuff is happening to you in your life and that's not new to us and for one reason and one reason alone god gave us a story of a man and his name was job and this man named job actually had heaven from heaven it was declared that he was a righteous man he was righteous in his lifestyle In his pursuit of God, this man named Job wanted to do the right thing. God gave us a story about him so that we might know that heaven can recognize one person on the earth as a righteous man and call him out by name. And he still can find out that he's having a time of trouble. It got so bad for Job that he lost his family. They were were killed. He lost his his servants. He lost his, his wealth, everything in a moment. Just suddenly it felt like all hell broke loose and robbed that man of everything. It became so miserable for him that he said, let the day of my birth be erased and the night I was conceived. Let the day be turned to darkness. Let it be lost even to God on high and let no light shine on it. Curse the day for failing to shut my mother's womb, for letting me to be born and to see all of this trouble. That, that right there is a, a seeming crisis of faith. He's saying, I pray that God, you'll forget me. So, Job found out the hard way that he should have chosen better friends, but one of his friends came to him and said, Stop and think. Do the innocent die? When have the upright been destroyed? My experience shows me that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. A breath of God destroys them. They vanish in the blast of anger. So here's a man who has a friend, and his friend comes to him, and he says, you know what, all this trouble has come, but do righteous people really have trouble? Just floats that thought out there. Job comes to the conclusion and he says, consider the joy of those who are corrected by God. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. Yes, yes. So Peter says, are you troubled? He said, don't be alarmed. Do not be surprised. We could probably have revival break out in this room right now if everybody of us, all of us were truly Honest about all the things that we're facing. There would be such an awareness of unity and identity. I mean, someone, there's faces here in this room that you could look at across the room, and we would have no idea how tough their life is. And they're great lovers of Jesus. And he says, if you're troubled, don't be alarmed and don't be surprised. Now, a lot of people believe that Peter wrote this letter in 64 AD. Let me tell you what happened in 64 AD. There was a group of people and they had been called Christians. And in 64 AD, Emperor Nero saw that Roman caught fire. We don't know whether he did it himself or not, but it burned down the slums conveniently for him so that he could rebuild Rome. And what did he do? Well, we have actually the writings of a man named Tacitus who was a Roman historian who was alive at that time. And here's what Christians were facing. Here is a translation of what Tacitus wrote about what happened in Rome. To stop the rumor that Emperor Nero had set Rome on fire, Emperor Nero falsely charged with guilt and punished with the most fearful tortures, the persons commonly called Christians, who were generally hated for their enormities. Christus, the founder of that name, was put to death as a criminal by Pontius Pilate, procurator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius. But the pernicious superstition, repressed for a time, broke out yet again, not only through Judea, where the mischief originated, but through the city of Rome also, whither all things horrible and disgraceful flow from all quarters as to a common receptacle, and where they are encouraged, accordingly, First, those were arrested who confessed they were Christians. Next, on their information, a vast majority were convicted. Not so much on the charge of burning the city as of, get a load of this, hating the human race. When we think about this, they were called such words as horrible, disgraceful, pernicious, all these words were used against Christians, and even the name Christian wasn't a name that they Christians came up for themselves. It was a pejorative in which they were labeled, and it was, it was diminishing. But you know, there are movements that happen on the earth where a group of people are labeled with a negative term, and it becomes so popular that the people just say, let's own it. You've heard about the Quakers who would come together in church services where the power of God was so strong that they would begin to shake under the power of God. And the pejorative was raised up, the calling of them of Quakers. But eventually they just said, let's just own it. We're not ashamed of it. Same thing with this label of Christian. Let's just own it. We're not ashamed of it. As we think about that passage right here, we understand that they were accused of being called the hating, the haters of the human race. Even in our day, if you hold Christian values, you can be called haters. And it's the hardest thing to navigate. Understanding that our faith in Jesus Christ calls us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we don't even be, aren't even completely able to unwrap the reason for our values that God has given to us. And the mere broad brush of they're hateful, it hurts. That's exactly what was going on 2,000 years ago. In Acts chapter 11, verse 25, we really read a little bit more about when the believers were first called Christians. Because they liked the word hagios, which means set apart ones, or what we have translated as saints. Not like saints that are unreachable or untouchable, but people declared holy by God. In Acts 11, 26, it refers to the very people that Peter is writing to. Would you listen to this and see how the story is unfolding? It says, so then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, remember he was stoned in Jerusalem, they made their way to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks as well, preaching the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see what's happening here? As the gospel was spreading by our Jewish disciples that were actually trained by Jesus, they're going out and their mode of operation was the same as Jesus. Go to the synagogue and declare the Messiah has come. But wait a minute, you know what happened? Some people from the isle of Cyprus, they began to say, you know what? This doesn't just work for Jews. it works for Gentiles too. Get a load of that. They're getting born again. They're getting saved. They're coming under an awareness of the presence and the power of God. The Holy Spirit is falling on them, and they're receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in that town of Antioch, where it wasn't just Christians being I'm sorry, Jews being invited to become Christians, but Gentiles as well, and in the interruption of all of that, they labeled them the Christ ones, you know who they are, those insipid ones who started the nonsense in Judea. But it says the hand of the Lord was with them and a large number believed and turned to the Lord, the Gentiles. The news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord for he was a good man and he was full of the Holy Spirit. Considerable numbers were added to the Lord, and he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers of people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. But Peter just says to this scattered group of Christians, where every town they go into, either a revival happened or a riot the power of God was so real and new and authentic. Yes. And Peter says to these people that were persecuted, don't be surprised. It's not strange. It's not a strange thing for a, church, for a Christian to go through a hard time. Don't be surprised of what's going on among you. Maybe the fire is just within your own heart, a fiery trial, but maybe it's even a fire that can fall upon a congregation or a group of believers. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, though, Peter heard these very words come from the mouth of Jesus himself. Jesus said to his disciples, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and they will mislead many people. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will hand you over to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time many will fall away. And they will betray one another. And they will hate one another. Jesus just let his followers know That as it gets closer to the end, that there'll be wars and calamity and frustrations and fears between the nations. But what will define them? What will unite them as a common area, as 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 common ground? We find out that what will unite them is that it says, Jesus said, the nations will hate those who are my disciples. There will come a fire, and Peter is telling these believers, do not be surprised. The one we follow already warned us of these things. And I think it's beautiful, and Pam brought this up to me this week, that God would give us the example of Peter. Because Peter was a man who truly loved Jesus. But when the, the fires were applied to his own life, a fiery trial, will I confess Jesus or will I deny him? We find out that here's the story of a man who denied the Lord. Through the process of denial, he came into a great grief. He denied the Lord three times. And yet, what did Jesus do? He restored him back into the community of the faithful followers of his. And so we find out that Jesus, I think, is giving us an example. There is coming a day when you will have to choose between your life or be a follower of his. And Jesus... Let us know. There'll be some who will not bow the knee like the three Jewish men in Babylon who refused to bow their knee and were thrown into a fiery furnace. There will also be some who will actually, in the moment of pressure, deny their faith. They will deny Jesus Christ himself. And they will Do that to preserve their life, but when they go away like Peter, they will enter into a remorse that they never knew that they could have ever felt. And yet they will have the picture of Peter, who was restored by Jesus Christ himself. Not restored by other believers, not restored by a church, but Jesus wants us to know that even if that would happen, he would be the God of our restoration. But it begs me to ask the question, Lord, which would I, who will I be? And I think it's a valid question. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, here's what it says. No temptation has overtaken you except something common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. Listen, the question today is not whether at that moment we would be willing to stand up for the Lord. The real question is this, am I truly born again of the Spirit of God? Because if you are truly born again of of the Spirit of God, the Lord says concerning you, no temptation will overtake you. You will not be overwhelmed in the moment of testing. Here's what we need to know. Today, are we right with God? Have I fixed my soul to Jesus? Am I truly been made alive by the Spirit of God? And he says, if you are that person, when a trial comes, it will not overtake you, but God will give you a way of escape so that you might be able to bear it. God will lift up your spirit. God will strengthen your spirit. God will strengthen your resolve. And then it says this, because God is faithful. And what I love about that is this. In that moment of testing, it will not be about whether I'm faithful. It'll be about whether God is faithful. And listen, the Bible says this concerning your God, that he is the author and the finisher of your faith i declare that over you today that none of you have only met the author of your faith. If you met the author of your faith, you met the finisher of your faith. You saw the God that didn't just set you on the path. You saw the God who's gonna see you through. You saw the God who declares over you it, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil because I am with you. That's the God we have, and I don't have to look to the future in fear and wondering. What if I sacrifice everything I believe in it for a momentary weakness? And God said, "There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man, and I will give you a way of escape, and you will be able to bear it." Amen. Amen. It is impossible to have met Jesus and ultimately deny him. What do I mean by that? I can no more deny Jesus because I've met him and experienced the Holy Spirit than I can deny the reality of my wife. That's the faith we have. Not according, He hasn't given to us our measure of faith. He's given us His measure of faith. We're going to endure. There's one question today for you. It's not whether you would stand up for Jesus. It's one question. Am I born again today? There was a woman named Corey Ten Boom who lived in Holland. When she was a little girl, she didn't know that someday the coming of the Nazis would happen and she and her family would hide Jews in their attic. They would lay down their lives, and even her sister, her very sister that she dearly loved would become a martyr. When she was a little girl, she began to wrestle with the question, would I be willing to lay down my life for Jesus Christ if I were asked to? So one day as a little girl, she said to her father, Daddy, I'm afraid that I will never be strong enough to be a martyr for Jesus Christ. Tell me, her father wisely responded, when you take a train trip from Harlem to Amsterdam, when do I give you the money for the ticket? Three weeks before? No, Daddy, you give me the money for the ticket just before we get on the train. (coughs) That is right, he replied, and so it is with God's strength. Our wise father in heaven knows when you are going to need things too. Today, you don't need the strength to be a martyr, but as soon as you are called upon for the honor of facing death for Jesus, he will supply the strength you need just in time. She later spoke to an audience after she had gone through the concentration camp. Her sister died, but she didn't. She said, I took great comfort in my father's advice. Later, I had to suffer for Jesus in a Nazi concentration camp. He indeed gave me all the courage and power I needed. I would say that to you today. Jesus will give you all the courage and the power that you need. Jesus was very careful when he worded an admonition admonition to his followers, and he said, False Christs and false prophets will arise and will provide great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. To be the elect, Jesus is letting us know that we are the ones that have received the love of Jesus Christ. It's called our election because Jesus said we wouldn't have been able to come to him unless the Father had chosen us. To be a believer is to be elected by the Lord, elected to be sons and daughters of God. And Jesus said, it's gonna get really tough to know. People say, Messiah's here, Messiah's there, and they're gonna work miracles on the earth. And they're gonna say, oh, this man is equal to Jesus. He's the new manifestation of the Christ spirit. It's fallen on another man, follow him. And Jesus said, they, they will actually fool you well, they would have if it was possible. Once you've met Jesus, God is the one who keeps you, and it's not possible. Oh, for a season you might waver, for a season you might question, for a season you might wonder, but at the end of the day, God is preserving your faith, and he always will. So Peter says to us, the proof of your faith in 1 Peter, we saw this when we first started reading the book, being more precious than gold which perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Believer, you and I need to understand that pressures can come like fire. Fire, fiery trials, Peter calls them Not just, oh, a Christian can have a bad day. He says Christians can go through fiery trials, How can that be? Because, and we'll look at, we'll wrap up with this understanding, because there is gold in you that Jesus died for and he wants to test it by fire. Gold is refined in fire and so are Christians. The way you and I navigate the sufferings of Christ because Peter said you enter into the sufferings of Christ will end up resulting in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Your actual life will be a hymn, a praise song, a worship moment in the presence of God. You will be a living worship to God. You will result to his praise and glory and honor In verse 13 of our text, it says, "But to the degree, and I hate the idea of degrees when it comes to fiery trials, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing." Isn't it amazing? Fiery trials and degrees. You know, is it 97 degrees? Is it 105? Is it 120? Is it 150 degrees? Degrees, or is it 212? Are things boiling? But the Lord just says this, to the degree that you suffer is the result of the glory. Mm -hmm. So you ask yourselves this question, why is it so hot? And because there's so much glory God wants to reveal in you. To the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that the revelation of his glory you may also rejoice and be overjoyed. Here is the key, how to suffer for Christ well. And listen, I'm not just, I want to keep us out of the context here. There's general sufferings in this world, but this is specifically dealing with the suffering that comes against you because you declare the name of Christian. And that scripture verse helps us to understand right there that the way to navigate suffering is to continually rejoice, to rejoice in the Lord. Paul knew about it, rejoice in the Lord always. Not rejoice in the suffering, not rejoice in the circumstances, not rejoice in the price you're paying, because that just really stinks. But at the end of the day, those things are gonna produce in you a rejoicing in the Lord. And the Lord says to us, if you and I learn to rejoice in the furnace of life, that at the end of our lives we will be overtaken with joy. So did you notice that we just read a scripture verse there that says that no temptation will overtake you. But here we find a scripture verse, but in the middle of a test, if you will just continually rejoice in the Lord, that at the end of your life, you will be overtaken by joy. The Bible talks about a joy that is unexpressible and it's full of the glory of God. There's a joy in you that people look at you and they say, man, there's heaven in that person's perspective of life. Your joy through the middle of the trial brings the revelation of Jesus Christ to a world that doesn't have the hope of him. And he says in verse 14, if you're you're insulted for the name of Jesus, he's writing to people that they would just say, oh, I wish it was just being insulted. We've been stoned, we've been chased, we've been kicked out of our homes we've lost our jobs forced out of jerusalem our city our homeland we've lost everything and what does peter want to say here even if you're insulted <laughs> even if it's just an insult you enter into the glory of the sufferings of jesus christ and you can say to yourself it's such a privilege and honor for for a momentary insult and just saying Jesus, I'm so glad that you've revealed yourself to me. Thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you that they passed over me for the promotion because uh, being a Christian isn't very popular in the office. Thank you, Lord God, that when people know that I go to church, that they give me a side glance and ask you, why would you go there? And you just say, Even if I'm insulted for the name of Christ, I'm blessed. When we can turn an insult into a blessing, he says, because of the spirit of glory and of God rests upon us. I want us to first and foremost, of course, talk about the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. He carries the glory of heaven. You and I have tasted the glory of heaven. That's why the glory of the praise of men means nothing to us. Because we live in the glory of the Holy Spirit of God, we had an encounter with Christ. Our sins have been forgiven. Our hearts have been set free. God has given us joy, and God has given to us peace. And we can suffer any kind of suffering because we live in the spirit of glory. Man, even in temp, you know what? Apply heat to food, and what does it do? It fills the room with the scent of the food. And everyone in the house is saying, I want to eat that. I'm going to tell you what, you stick a Christian in the fire and the scent of the glory of heaven fills the space. And those who will be honest just say, I want some of that. I want that. The flame releases the glory. As we think about All of that, we can't help but think about the spirit in another context because we know that spirit means a disembodied kind of being, but we use it in other ways as well. And I'm going to take a little bit of liberty here, but we'll talk about the spirit of liberty or the spirit of Christmas. In other words, we step into the environment and we enter into its highest values. You walk in the, sp- oh, look, you can feel the spirit of Christmas in this place. And what did you mean? That the way the culture is defined Christmas looks like, the lights, the baubles, and all that kind of stuff. You say, oh, the spirit of Christmas. Spirit of liberty. You, you, a person gave a speech and we said, wow, that was rousing in the spirit of liberty. In other words, we took the culture of of liberty and it was expressed in a beautiful way And, and God would say to us is that when you and I go through a hard time, we can enter into the spirit of glory, the spirit of heaven's environment where the weight of God's presence fills all of it and there's no need for the sun or the moon because the brightness of the Lamb of God fills the entire space. It's a beautiful thought. And do you know something? Even if you're insulted, just an insult, Jesus said it's a release of glory. There's no insult that's ever been directed to you as a Christian that went unnoticed by Jesus and Jesus just revels in the opportunity for the two of you to be able to suffer together. You did it for him and he did it for you. Now the Apostle Peter wants us to know, hes not talking about every kind of suffering. If you suffer because you're a murderer or a thief or an evildoer, you just got what you deserved. But he's saying, when you suffer for doing what's right because of your faith, God is glorified. So he says, murderers, thief, evildoers, and then it's kind of funny here because Peter's talking to Christians and he says, you know what, also, if you're just a troublesome meddler, I can't help but know that Peter, Peter as an apostle and a a disciple of entire congregations, just pulls that one list out because he realizes that people meddling and being busybodies inside of the church can cause a lot of trouble. Saying don't do it. (laughs) That word troublesome meddler actually has the word episkopos in it. Do you know what that word episkopos is translated? Bishop. He says don't be a bishop to everybody. Stop being everybody's bishop. Who's doing this? Who's doing that? Was that done right? Oh, that wasn't done right. Oh, I didn't like that. And the Lord just says, I don't need a bunch of bishops. Because Jesus is the bishop of our soul, right? But then he says this, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but it's to glorify God in his name. Don't ever believe or be ashamed of Jesus. because he's not ashamed of us. The vilest sinner can come to Jesus and be saved. The vilest. Mm -hmm. And Jesus isn't too proud. He doesn't say, ah, that'll taint the whole community. There goes the neighborhood. (laughs) This person's coming into the kingdom. (laughs) What are we gonna do with them? He's not ashamed of anybody that will come to him. And the Apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God and salvation to anyone who believes. It'll save a Jew and it'll save a, a Gentile. That's what he said. It can save all of us. But here's getting to the end of our text. It says this. It answers that question of why. The truth of the matter is I have seen some of the most impressive and godly people go through fiery ordeals. And it forces the question, why? And it's answered in this verse in a profound way. Because it says this, it's time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And it begins with us first. And what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Here's what he's saying. Why am, when the believer says, why am I suffering in this life? Peter says, because it's your time. It's your time to suffer. It's your time to experience the working of the fire of God inside your life so that you might become more like Christ when the believer is going to live forever and forever and forever and go into that place where God himself will wipe away every tear from their eye, there'll be no more sorrow, no more trials. No more sickness, no more death. All the former things will pass away. When we enter into eternity, it will be the time where there is no suffering. But for the believer right now in this life is the only time in his eternal existence, in her eternal existence, where they can relate to the sufferings of Christ in order for God to gain the inheritance of the earth. Don't be confused why you're suffering now. Because Peter says, suffering begins in the house of the Lord. And he says, it's better to suffer now. It's better, to, better for your time to come up now. Then he says, for the unbeliever who doesn't recognize God and realizes When he stands before the Lord, that's when he experiences the judgment of God. For the believer, right now God says to you, this has got to change, and that's got to change, and that's got to go, and this is not good, and I'm going to judge it in this life. Trials will get it out of your life, but you're going to learn to trust and have faith in me because it's your time now. And you embrace it with all your heart and you keep the joy of the Lord and you keep peace with God. Why? Because you say, God, thank you that I'm one of the people whose suffering will only be in this life. Because Peter says, there will some who will, when it's too late, stand before the throne of God. And at that point, they will hear God say, this is not right, that's not right, that needed to go and this needed to go. And at that point will not be the point at which you can receive the mercy of God. I am so blessed to be disciplined by the Lord in this life because I don't want to be disciplined for all eternity. Can you say amen to that? Why am I suffering? Because God says, I love you and I'm sorry, but it's time. Now's the time for you. And I hope by the Spirit of God I say this, the Spirit of God would say to you and, and to me, do it well. Suffer well. Rejoice. No words of griping, complaining, murmuring, or meddling. Do it well. Because if you walk in the joy now, when Christ comes, you will be overtaken with joy. So he wraps up by saying this. Therefore, those who suffer according to the will of God are to entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Jesus said, here's how you do it. Entrust your soul. Think about that for a moment. Entrust your soul to the faithful creator who does what's right. You're going through a hard time trust your soul to the creator who's powerful to do anything knowing that on your behalf he will do what is right he who did not spare his only son but delivered him up for us all wouldn't he through him freely give us all things Jesus it's really hard right now I'm in the in the fire and these people losing lives and homes and everything because they wouldn't deny their faith but what did they do they entrusted their soul to the faithful creator that he will do what's right let's close our eyes for just a moment I want us to say that together a few times Say this with me. To you, O God, I trust my soul, the faithful creator, doing what is right. Say this, I entrust my soul to the faithful creator. He will do what is right. Let's do that one more time. I trust my soul. Say that. I trust my soul. To the faithful creator. Who will do what's right. Can you say amen to that? Let's all stand up. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment at the end of all of this sermon it comes down to one question are you born again of the spirit of god are you made alive to god i'm not asking if you wear the label of christian i'm not asking you if you've merely been baptized or you're a member of a church or anything like this i just want to ask you have you received the saving faith of jesus christ that will not only save you but it will keep you and it will carry you into the very glory of heaven here's the question today Not will I be faithful and cross the finish line, but have I received the gift of God's faithfulness that will take me through. If you're not saved today, you need to be saved. Don't wait until you stand before the Lord to, to hear what needs to change. Let Him work in you in this life
1: so that you're ready to enter into
0: the glory of God's heaven. I'm not asking you today anything other than this. Do you know that you're saved? And if you say to me, Pastor Jim, I don't know that and today, I wanna to make it sure. Listen, I, we're living in a world right now that's just going crazy, is it not? It's a crazy world we live in. Jesus said there'll be nations even rising up against nations. And he says, and all the nations will hate you. And it makes us ask ourselves this question. What will happen to the people who want to do the right thing? And I'm telling you, what they're going to need is they're going to need to be saved by Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you don't know the Lord, I'm not, this is not a formula. But you might say to me, Pastor Jim, I don't even know how to be saved. I don't know how to get right with God. If you'd say, I'd like to be included in, I'm including myself in a closing prayer. I'm including myself in a closing prayer. And by raising my hand, I'm included in this prayer, giving my life to Jesus. I'm ready to confess my sins. I'm ready to confess my inadequacies and the things that hindered me from God and I'm ready to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. If you, that's you, I want you to raise your hand and then if you raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to step out of your seat and come forward and stand here in the front. You don't have to say anything, you don't have to do anything, you don't even have to look at anybody but Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. I want to say this as well, You might be standing here today and saying people already think i'm a christian if i raise my hand and walk forward they're gonna say what i thought they were already saved but the bottom line is this when we stand before the lord we will all see who was saved and who wasn't saved i'd rather receive that correction in this life than to put it off and not be ready to meet the lord If you're here and you're saying, Pastor Jim, I want to meet Jesus today, would you lift up your hand? Just saying, I want to be saved today. I want to know that I know that I know that I'm right with God. I'm not asking you to do anything I didn't do. But when you ask yourself this question, do I know that I'm right with Jesus Christ? If you don't have a firm yes from the Lord, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will give you a firm yes. So just one more moment, I'm not pressuring you. The Holy Spirit's the pressure. I thank you for each and every one of these people. I know that you have saved them to do well. And that you have set before them a path of righteousness that they can walk in. I pray, Lord God, that when they leave this place, they leave in the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, and the confidence of their faith that you are the God that will keep them. I pray, Lord God, let them be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might that have on the full of armor of God. I pray they'd be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for coming. If you need prayer today, there will be some folks here in the front. No matter what the need is, we want to stand with you and we want to be able to pray with you throughout the week. If you need something, please call the office. We want to be there for you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website or your favorite podcast platform. Just look for Sermon of the Week Cornerstone Christian Center. If you would like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.